thank you for joining me here at Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, the creator and host of this show, and I have an absolutely wonderful episode for you all today. I recently sat down with Urmi Hossein, a polyglot author, YouTuber, and a woman empowering and inspiring others. Urmi shares her history of language learning, which began in childhood as she grew up in Italy with Bengali heritage. She tells of growing up in Sicily, speaking Bengali at home and Italian in the community, and how she often felt in between worlds, neither fully Italian nor fully Bengali. Urmi takes us through her path toward realization that she doesn't have to choose between cultures and which one she identifies with, that, in fact, she is of both, Italian by birth and Bengali by blood. In this chat, we get to hear about Urmi's journey through other languages as well, about the challenges she faced moving to Montreal as a French speaker, and about her passion for Spanish. You will hear the love for Spanish in her voice as she takes us through her travel experiences in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. It was such a pleasure to have this chat with Urmi and be given the honor of hearing her personal story of self and cultural identity and the role languages have played in that. I hope you enjoy her stories as much as I did and make sure you check out her work, which is mentioned at the end of the interview and can also be found in the show notes. Welcome to the show, Urmi. Thank you for having me, Heidi. Thank you for being here and taking the time across continents to to chat first thing in the morning for you. Um, and of course, it's a topic that we love talking about. So that makes things easy. So for our guests who haven't connected with you before or haven't heard about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself or a lot about yourself and especially what brings you to the language learning community? Yes. So my name is Ormi. And um, I live in Montreal, and I always like to tell people that I am Italian by birth and Bengali by by blood. And that's I'm very specific with that type of um, you know introduction because it makes it much clearer to whoever I'm presenting who I am exactly. And uh, I consider myself to be a polyglot. I do speak uh, multiple languages, and. It was something that I was never aware of until I started to count, okay, these are how many, these are the, the languages that I know. And people would ask me pretty often, like, oh, like, how many languages do you speak? So I do speak 4.5 languages. And I, yeah, there's a half there. So I do speak uh, Bengali. I do speak Italian. I do speak English. I do speak French. And the half is Spanish because it's a language that I, that I, learned for passion and that I'm still learning for passion I really really enjoy Spanish and um, I took few classes when I was in university I knew how to speak it I knew how to do presentations but then university finished and then I stopped as a consequence so I was like you know what I want to like start go back at it so now Spanish I do it like more like do it yourself so I, I do it on my own I block time during the week to actually go over the stuff and um and I used to know how to speak German back in the days like really back in the days uh because of the program that I was doing when at school in high school in Italy we had to learn German as a third language I also got like a certificate in German and 
I kind of knew how to speak it, but then I completely lost it. And now I feel like I have to start back from from scratch when it comes to learning uh, German. So that's pretty much it. So what brings me here to the community of language learners is the fact that some languages were taught to me uh, when I was a kid and some others I had to learn them at school because of no choice. And then others that I learned through, um, you know, as a hobby, basically. So that was going to be my next question to follow up was that you you grew up speaking Bengali and Italian as native languages, Italian in the community and Bengali at home. And then English and French, were those then learned in school from a young age or were they higher more in university? No. So English is taught as a second language back in Italy and they usually start at a very young age. Like I remember it was from when I was like eight years old or something like that. And then, of course, like when you're like eight years old, they, they teach you like the basic things. They don't expect to know how to speak English by the age of 10. But when you go to high school, that's where it becomes a bit more intense. And same thing with French. French was taught more like uh, the second like um, foreign language after English. And, and again, I think there is a choice for people to choose between um, French and Spanish because when I went to school I did not have a choice uh, but I know now that you have a choice between uh, French and Spanish and I think also German and so when I went to school because of the program that I did French was taught more like the second or if you want to call it like the third foreign language along with German. So through this was there a particular point when you went from learning languages as something you had to do in school to it more becoming a passion like you just really really enjoyed it so basically when I was in school and I and I was learning like English French and German I actually enjoyed every moment mm-hmm. of it like even though it was like an obligation I always felt like I was talented for languages like I had a talent for learning languages it just came really easy to me uh, I didn't have a particular hurdle when it was when it came to learning a language in two, I would say that when I moved to Canada, I realized that, okay, I think I need to, I'm like starting to use even these new languages that I learned in my daily life. Because before, prior to coming to Canada, I would say the predominant languages that I used were Bengali and were Italian. Like Bengali was the language spoken at home and then Italian was the language spoken outside. But then Italian also became more like my adopted mother tongue because I started to use it even at home with my sister because it was better for us to communicate to each other. And then when I moved to Canada, I started to realize that, oh, crap. Okay, I think like I'm starting to use other languages. So I started to use English Basically, I started to use English when I was going out. And then also because I live in Montreal, it's a bilingual city, we speak French too. And now I use French at work. So I, yes, it was an obligation, but I feel like it was something, it was a passion that I never cultivated enough to realize that, okay, I do have a passion for languages. And then Spanish was the language that I actually decided to learn because it was actually a hobby. And I and I feel like it came to a realization after I learned all these languages, I was like, okay, there is another language that I want to learn, which I can choose 
to to learn and it's not something that is like coming from an external factor what I have to learn because I have no choice because of the environment that I'm leaving or you know things like that it was more my choice whereas before it wasn't really my choice but I always had the passion for each one of them basically Mm -hmm. how do you incorporate Spanish into your life then because you live I mean you speak Bengali with your family you speak Italian with family and friends and then English and French where you live how does Spanish come into that I mean as far as just engaging in it and making it a part of your life so I haven't really like um, made it part of my daily life, but I try to like incorporate it in my daily things as much as I can. So I do watch like vlogs a lot. I do, uh, I, I whenever I'm traveling, let's say in the South, like in the South America, I try to buy books uh, which are in Spanish. I also listen to podcasts a lot in Spanish. And that's one thing that I like try to do on a constant basis. Like this once a week, I make sure that I'm like listening to a podcast. And what I do is that when I'm listening to a podcast, I actually take notes. Like I'm actually re- like, yes, there is this trans- transcript, but I actually try to like listen and then take notes because this is a trick that I learned when I was um, taking English classes, uh, which was like, you have to listen and try to take notes. And it doesn't matter how, how much you can, you're able to to catch from whatever they're saying but try to write it and see how much you can understand and then go back and see the transcript so I haven't like um I haven't completely incorporated it but I'm trying to like like be part of a community or conversation exchange where you can meet people that speak the the language and you can have like conversation with them so that's one thing that I'm trying to 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 start incorporating so that I can work on my speaking. Mm-hmm. Even though you have a good command of so many other languages and that probably, I assume, helped kind of build your confidence to know that, yeah, I can learn this other language because I've already done it. Do you feel a little bit nervous at the thought of engaging in those conversations? Or is your passion just so, it just makes you so excited that you're ready to jump in? No, to be honest, it does make me really nervous. <laughs> It makes me really nervous. I remember, so I remember when I learned English, because um, I lived my whole life in Italy, but there was a year when I was like much younger that we had to move to UK. And that's where I felt like I had no choice but learn English properly. And I didn't know how to speak it back then, like not at all. I had really trouble communicating with people at school, communicating with teachers. And I remember like I was... I had these special classes for English and I remember that every time I tried to speak English, like Italian was coming out of my mouth. I was it was very hard for me to process and think in English. And I remember being always very nervous and concerned about it to the point that I, I never felt comfort comfortable enough to speak it. Funny enough, the same was with 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 Italian because at school I would speak Italian and so forth, but when I would go back home and my dad would ask me like okay why don't you speak Italian in front of us I would be really really shy really shy that I was like no I don't want to so I remember like we would go to the store he would make me talk but I would never talk and I would be really really shy when he came to 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 speaking Italian and I think the most difficult for me was on it when I moved to Canada so in Italy they teach you the French from France so we learned French accent from France you know but when I moved to Canada and I moved to, to Montreal, I realized that people, like, I would tell people, yeah, 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 I can speak French. But then I would listen to their accent. I was like, I don't understand any of the things they're saying. I was like, I don't know. Why is it like that? And then I start, start to realize that there is this, um, there is a Quebecois, so that's like French from Quebec, that is 
it's it's slightly different like the accent the expression they use they have their own like slang and people I feel like when people are talking they tend to eat their words so I would tell everyone yeah 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 I can speak and can speak but then I would I would not be able to answer because I would be blocked by the moment they would say something because I felt like I was not able to understand quite enough of what they were saying mm -hmm. so I had to take some like extra lesson here just so that I could actually like learn how to speak the Québécois which is still like a separate language I would say like yes it's French but it has its own thing mm -hmm. and so that's where I would like I felt like I, I I I was lacking a little bit of confidence until I was like you know what I'm, I want I need to make sure that I don't lose this because I will need this to work I will need this to you know to survive and I feel like after years of practice and practice I finally like reached that point and I work completely in a French environment so so yeah so the confidence came through time this is kind of switching gears here my father-in-law is a native German speaker from Austria decades ago. He was, I don't know, 15 years old or so when he immigrated to the U.S. and started speaking English and, you know, grew up in the U.S. from like the 1950s on. And so now whenever he speaks to family or other native German speakers who have grown up in the environment where the language was changing, they all say that he speaks an old German because he speaks the way they spoke in 1950. He, um, you know, was separated from the physical immersive culture of the language that it's slightly different. So something you said about, you know, learning the different French in Canada made me wonder if you are aware if your parents experienced something similar in Bengali, or do they communicate with people back home often enough that as the language kind of changes and evolves over time, are have they been able to evolve or have you even been able to kind of evolve with it? Is it a language that you feel like you're kind of still kind of constantly learning because you're not evolving in the place with it? Yeah, I cannot say too much about my parents, to be honest, because I feel like the, the Bengali that I learned was more whatever they taught me. So I felt like that was one mm -hmm. win, win, unique way of learning it. I know, though, that we do have a lot of dialects in Bangladesh. So whatever my language, whatever my parents were speaking was actually a dialect. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know if, if from their side, a lot has changed because they would be constantly talking to their relatives back at home and they would mm -hmm. talk to people in the community in Italy. So I don't know if there, all, there was that kind of change. And I know that they used to watch like TV, like Bengali, like things, Bengali things on TV. And so I don't think there was an actual change uh, from their side. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was it was still like a continuous, like a continuous learning because it's, it's, it was a language that I wasn't um, completely dominating because I, I didn't learn how to, how to write. Um, I didn't know how to read. I mean, I knew how to read, but then I forgot. So we, like the way they, it was taught to us, it was mainly for communication purposes to be able to speak to, to people in the community. But then as we grew up, especially like the next generations, what happened is we started to like mix all the languages that we knew. So here in Canada, people have a tendency of like speaking <laughs> English and French in one sentence and they make some English words, they make it French or vice versa. And then I started to realize that I was doing the same thing with my sister because we both speak like Bengali, English, and Italian. We have this tendency of like mixing and having our own language, which is a combination of the three of them. 
And so I feel like that's where the evolution went, more like mixing everything that we know to adapt it to the generation of nowadays. But the core language, I don't know how much it has changed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I think that is, to me, an incredibly beautiful thing. Because I know there's a lot of language gatekeepers who this is how we speak the language and that's how it should always be, not open to evolution. But when I hear my children speaking to, like my my daughter will speak to her friends in Italy. She speaks mostly Italian. She throws in some German words every now and then. And they don't care. But she does it to me sometimes. And she's like, oh, why did I say that in German? I'm like, that's so cool. One, I understood you. And two, like, it's okay. We can communicate literally in three languages, whether a whole sentence is one language or a pull grammar from this one and words from another one. I think it's really cool. I think it's beautiful. And in a way, as a parent, and maybe you feel this way as a sister, it's a bonding thing. It's something that you all have that no one else may understand or, or be able to, to have. And I think that's really cool. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, d- I definitely think it makes it it makes it very unique because you can only share it with like certain people and not everyone can understand what you're saying because you're mixing everything up. So yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So you you know, said in the beginning that you're Italian by birth and Bengali by blood. So obviously you have in yourself some identity between two different cultures and two different languages. Can you maybe describe or give some examples of what that looks like for you living in and between two different cultures at the same time? Uh, so basically, that's a very good question because uh, I remember when I was um, when I was in Italy, I always wanted to be associated with one thing. Like, I think I always wanted people to, like, associate me to Italian. And, but then when I was at home, my parents wanted to wanted me to be the traditional Bengali person, you know, like when even when we would go out, they would be like, well, why don't you wear traditional yeah, clothes? And I was like, no, I don't want to, you know, because I was very much concerned that people will see me as being different. And so in a way, I did not like being different. I think I wanted to like confirm to the Italian society, to the Italian community and just be considered like that. And I went through a lot of struggle when I was growing up because I never felt like I was enough of of both of the worlds I was not neither nor uh, one of the cultures but then I think it gave me some internal conflict as I was growing up because I was like I don't know how to associate myself and somehow I didn't like it when people would associate me to one thing or the other and that's why I was like I don't want people to decide for me mm-hmm. and then through time I, tra- I started to realize that you know what I do eat Bengali food I do speak Bengali I do wear traditional clothes and at the same time I do the same thing with Italian I speak the Italian language at home I eat Italian cuisine I do have a certain manner when I'm like speaking Italian like there, I feel like there is another personality that comes out of me and so through time I was like I don't I don't want anyone to say okay you're either this or that I want to be both and so I came to embrace my inner self by embracing both cultures and I felt like I am a little bit of both and I'm not just one thing so um, that has like had an impact to 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 how I identify myself and that's why I like to be specific by saying you know I'm Italian by birth and Bengali by blood because I feel like people don't understand where I'm coming from and people question it oftentimes because I look a certain way but then I speak another language and and so I came to literally like 
embrace both of them because I was I realized that I was doing everything in both in both cultures you know there was a little bit of you know I was I was I basically like make Bengali for that home but I also make Italian for that home so why do I have to be labeled as one thing when I can be my own thing and decide for my own self basically so yeah I think in a lot of areas and I know it's true in the states but I feel like I've heard it more about Europe in particular that it's really hard for some people to to be able to identify others and even if we don't want to label someone else or give someone else an identity we still tr- that's how we kind of process you know what's going on and what we see and understand and um you know for a time there's so many immigrants who have now who have come to Italy and live they have children who are born there and raised there but they still like you you know they still want to keep their cultural identity but also assimilate to the culture and also be accepted and I mean I don't I don't have my own personal experience with that my kids are experiencing it a bit here um, in Germany. In Italy, they always felt accepted, even if we got questions of, but you don't speak Italian at home. Do you speak Italian at home? You need to be speaking Italian at home. We always felt comfortable and accepted. And Germany has been a little bit different, even though we look like everyone around us, we're not. And they kind of feel that. And so I think my kids are at an age now where they're starting to try to understand that identity and where they want to identify themselves. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very interesting intersection of life whenever you don't grow up in some homogenous society where everybody is the same. Our, our roots and our blood might come from one place, but our roots are still in another place as well with a completely different culture. And I like your approach of, of just realizing that you're both. You don't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be 50% one, 50% another. Like it's just all of it makes up the whole person of who you are. Did you feel like... Was there almost a defining moment when you came to this realization that I am me and I am including in all of these things and no one has to question that anymore? Yeah, I think it was probably like a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago that I came to that realization. And because it was a continuous um, questioning from people, they made me like wonder about this. People would ask me like, oh, where are you from? And no matter which answer I would give, people would question it. And I kind of like, I don't know, I almost felt insulted in a way because it was like, what is it? Like, you don't like the answer I'm giving you just because I look a certain way, you think I'm, I cannot be that. Even when I would tell people that I'm Bengali, that was still something that people would question because um, of the accent that I have, which is probably very strong. And And so that's what made me really question, like, and I also didn't like when people would say, oh, but you're Italian, you're, you're Sicilian, you're like Milanese and stuff like that. I was like, no, like you don't get to decide for me. And so there was a lot of, um, I think there was a lot of like internal work that I had to do. But then I also think I did things that like somehow empowered me. And, um, and so that's how I came to tell the world that, you know what, this is who I am. I, I am Italian Bengali and I also didn't like it. You know, it's like you said uh, before, you're like, you know, you're neither 50% nor 50%, right? And I always felt like that if I would only say one thing, like if I would say like, oh, I'm Bengali, I felt like I was not saying the other half of my story. So I feel like there was a a part of my identity that wasn't being told, told to the world. So I wanted to embrace those two elements into who I am. 
and and I started to read a little bit more about her culture kit because I think it's something that it's becoming more and more recurring we see a lot of this especially because we have people like my own parents immigrating from like different countries starting a new life from another to another country and most likely these people will be their culture kids because the kids that will be born they will be their culture kids and they will have a mix of different cultures within them and I think and I also feel like when you come to Canada or in the state it's another level because in Italy you only have majority of the time you only see Italian people but then when you come to like countries like states or Canada you start to realize okay there is more than that and it's like almost normal to see to culture kids where in some countries it's really rare to see that um but yeah I think the realization literally came until like three four years ago regarding the third culture kids especially um but immigrant families whether they've been there for one generation two and being able to keep your culture your blood culture and your community culture as well. How did you experience it? You said you had, of course, Bengali food at home, Bengali culture at home, Bengali language at home. Did you ever feel like from the outside community where you were anyway, that there is any push to erase or overshadow your Bengali culture through either language being you know, forced to speak only Italian or anything like that, or questioned about how you're learning Italian if you don't speak it at home or anything like that not really like when I was growing up in Italy and going to school there I had a lot of Italian friends and I can see that it was difficult for them to understand where I was coming from why I couldn't you know certain things I couldn't do them and for them, it was a learning process as well, because it's the first time that they have met someone that is like not like them. However, they never told me to like do this or do that, things like that. I think they they start started to become a bit more accepting and welcoming, I would say. And I also feel like a lot of the times they also came from a place of non-judgment. They even though they couldn't understand all of the things that I was saying or you know where I was coming from they became a bit more open-minded I would say so they never imposed anything they never told me like you know don't do that like I think they still wanted me to like they, they appreciated the fact that I was different from them because I added a diversity factor there that I was not really aware of and so even through time they even nowadays like when I talk to them they're more than happy to learn about you know, the things that I do in Bangladesh, the culture, the religion, the food, they are very like open to that. And they kind of really like this diversity because I feel like it makes me really stand out. So they really like this, that, you know, we have a friend that is like from this country. And I think it just adds diversity to their circle of friendship and it makes me a bit more accepting and welcoming. So I never had any kind of issues, honestly. That's a wonderful experience and a wonderful testament to um, to your friends and your community's uh, openness to curiosity and and just enjoying what you learn about people and cultures and everything. I think that's that's one of the things that I love so much about language learning, and I think everyone else will agree, perhaps, that when you learn a language, whether you learn it in the country or not, you're really not just learning the language. You literally are learning about the culture. German to me is a really good example because you hear things about Germany, you hear stereotypes, but the language itself to me 
represents the culture in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like the German language is so structured and, mm-hmm. and a bit rigid in a way. It's a lot like the culture around us. People follow the rules. They're very organized and kind of expect things to be a certain way. And here we come with my kids running around the grocery store and not wearing the right type of coats and all kinds of stuff. Like in that way, like I can see a very clear connection between some language and culture. And um, I just think it's it's one of those things that makes language learning so exciting because you can experience the world without having to, I mean, we all want to go places probably, but without needing to go places, you still feed that curiosity. Yes, yes, definitely. And uh, I can say a lot about uh, a German language. That's that's a feeling I got. Like like you said, it's very structured. I remember. I remember like like I felt I felt even my 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 own teacher was very like rigid and like strict with us I could feel it from her because she because we would have lessons from two teachers so we had an Italian teacher teaching uh, German and then we had a native speaker that would come from Germany to teach us how to speak and I could see that she was very very strict to the point that I was like so scared some days because I was like oh, you know she's gonna like I don't know she's gonna yell at us or something she was really nice though she was really nice but I remember like one thing that stood out to me was the fact that so in Italy okay I don't know if you ever took a bus there but buses are always late okay are late and they, they never show up yeah we have a schedule but it's it's not the best okay it's not the best but I remember someone pointed out that in 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 Germany the buses like they come like right on the dot and I was like this is the place where I should be leaving because I have I have this thing with punctuality where I want people to be like always punctual and this is one thing that I really like about the whole culture because I feel like people living in um in Germany they're very very organized and I feel like they're also very very disciplined and they have like a good time management skill which I think everyone should learn from there are definitely some benefits to to being around a culture like this it's funny too because in Germany the trains are notorious for being late or being canceled but somehow the buses as far as I understand are all like always on time but it's crazy because where I live there is so much traffic I don't understand how anyone's ever on time like you you had never have any idea how much time to allow for traffic but yet people are still on time and buses are still on time and I don't understand how it functions so you said you've traveled to South America take me down go into South America as you're discovering Spanish and as you're learning Spanish and so your first passion language what is that experience like bringing these parts together? So I actually went to South America. Well, it was more like Central America, actually. I went to Mexico and I went to Dominican Republic. So I went twice mm-hmm. and I actually went like six, seven months ago. So it was like not too long ago. And it was like my first time going there. And um, some things that literally stood out to me was that the Spanish spoken in Mexico and the Spanish spoken in Dominican Republic is not the same. Mm. I was like, how? And you know what? It's so funny because I also went to Barcelona and I was like, okay, hold on a second. They also, like, I remember that even their accent is not the same. It's very different. And I remember that when I went to Mexico, it was, it was so much fun. Like I loved, like the whole, the people there are so genuinely nice and warm. And I think, again, it's related to the whole culture, to the language, you know, they're like naturally like like uh, sunny people. 
and joyful and I remember like we stayed in a, in a resort and I really like when people would approach me and be like hola hola como estas and people are always very happy no matter like no matter what the conditions are and when I was there I tried to speak Spanish as much as I could and um, I, I did practice a little bit because I remember like they would speak to me and I would, I would understand pretty much everything. I would really understand everything. I just, because I never practiced it enough properly, that's where I would be a little bit stuck. And however, I tried to use it as much as I as I could. And I also learned a little bit about the culture. I went to see the Chichen Itza. Mm. And I also saw the, the Mayan villages. That, that was so beautiful. I think that was the best thing ever because we stayed in a resort and there's only so much that you can see when you're in a resort, right? You only see the beach, you just eat you stay within it and you don't see the authenticity of a place unless you go out so I'm glad that we we went out and we went to see the Mayan villages which was really beautiful like everything about those villages like the people that we met you can see they are a certain way like there's their um, like features are very different from like our other Mexicans and it was beautiful person and then they were playing the small guitar and they have like they're dressed in a certain way they speak a certain way too I didn't know they had like their own language I completely forgot about mm -hmm. it and that person was beautiful everything was like so colorful I remember like I remember being really really happy when I was there and I think the fact that I was listening to Spanish language it was just making me automatically super super happy and it was it was so hard to come back honestly I was like I just want to stay there I can work for free I have no issues and um, and then I remember when I went to Punta Cana and people would speak Spanish I was like wait a second why does this sound so different from whatever I, I learned and I started to realize they have a different accent and that's when it came to my realization that okay it's a little bit like in Italy as well, like depending on which part of the country you are, they all have a different accent and it's pretty noticeable. And it's the same thing in in South America or Central America where, you know, depending on where you are, you have a different uh, different accent. So in Punta Cana, I would tell everyone, yeah, 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 I can speak Spanish. But then I remember they would speak and I had a little bit of like hesitation and and also like difficulty replying because I was like I'm not quite sure what they said and I felt like it was um I, I felt like I was not used to it I, I felt it was a bit more it was a, a bit faster in how they were speaking so I had a little bit of like travel understanding and since I stayed there for like six seven days I feel like I was able to understand a little bit more as time was passing by and I started to like actually like catch it more about it so it was uh but that kind of was, it was a different, it was a completely different experience. I think if I could choose, I would always choose Mexico because I felt people were really, really like nice and warm. And, uh, and honestly, like I love anything about Central America and South America. Like I'm so passionate about learning about those culture and history that I, like for me, it's just, it's, it's so eye-opening. It was really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do want to see like more countries. I, I would like, I love to go to Peru because I watched this documentary about the Peruvian cuisine and they, they look so nutritious and colorful that I'm like, how can you not love this kind of cultures? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it was a very nice experience, honestly. I love that you mentioned leaving the resort because the Spanish spoken, you know, at a resort where they're used to tourists and they're used to speaking English probably as well. It's 
not quite the same Spanish that you get whenever you leave the resort and people are speaking just naturally amongst themselves, you know, when you're hearing conversations and stuff and the way they interact is not going to be the same way they interact with tourists, you know, at a resort. And so was there a difference there? Did you notice a difference between your ability to understand and communicate with resort people who were there you know, communicating with tourists and locals outside of the resort? Yeah, I felt like the one spoken in the resorts was much easier to understand. And I don't know if it's because they're so used to interacting with tourists. I don't know if it was that. I remember when I went to Playa del Carmen, I was a little bit concerned that like, if someone stops us and they want to speak to us and I'm not able to reply, we'll be in trouble. Uh, but th this is the thing. Even when we went to Playa del Carmen, because it's such a touristy area, people were speaking English. It was only when we went to... Um, to the Mayan villages and not many people knew how to speak English so we were like almost forced to speak with them in Spanish and I could see the difference I could I could see the difference in the actual language it was it was it was different it was honestly different the language speaking mm -hmm. by the people in the Mayan languages yeah in the Mayan mm -hmm. villages it was it was actually different yeah that's a really in my opinion that's a really good progress marker as well when you recognize different accents instead of questioning your ability to understand like I remember times in Italy when I was, I was learning the language there were some people I just couldn't understand it did not matter how much we talked like I never knew what they were talking about and it wasn't until my Italian got much better that I realized they're just not pronouncing the same way everybody else does and maybe they are adding some of their own dialect that's not the Venetian dialect not that I spoke Venetian but I couldn't understand I could at least understand when they were speaking in dialect um, but maybe there's a different dialect and um, it was kind of a marker of progress that I don't have to question my abilities there's another factor outside of me that's going on here and um, and then it makes me want to learn all the dialect yeah the, the thing about Italy is that no matter where you go, they all have a different accent. And if you have a good a good ear, you can notice right, right away that, okay, this person is from there, this person is from there. But then then we also have the dialect, which makes, like, it's another thing. Like, I remember, it's it's a whole other, another thing. Because I remember when I was living in Italy, we had a neighbor. And she was from Napoli, I think. And she was an old a lady. She was probably in her 70s or 80s. And the thing is, she would only speak Napolitano. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, because me and my sister, we spent time with this woman who was our neighbor. Because, you know, she, we almost called her Nonna because, uh, I mean, grandmother. Because she we almost felt like she was our grandmother. But when we would try to talk to her, it was impossible. Because we would speak Italian. She would only speak Napolitano and it was another language. I'm telling you, it was another language. Like there was no resemblance to Italian. So she would understand, but we would not understand. And we would just like, you know, use our body language, facial expression, hand gestures to like communicate with her. But it was it was completely different. Like I think and I'm pretty sure we still have people from those particular parts of Italy that, that who have never learned Italian and, and they still speak like Siciliano. Napoletano they still speak their dialects yeah mm -hmm. I think and I think it goes back to the fact that they want to keep that roots that they want to keep that tradition and culture within that yeah mm -hmm. several of my Italian friends said that they don't speak dialect they speak dialect between each other but they don't speak dialect to their kids necessarily and for whatever reason um but a lot of it I think is just trying to trying to prepare them for school where they're going to learn standard Italian and um I think maybe there's there's a shift where some people are afraid to speak dialect because they don't want their kid to be behind or not be understood and things like that I'm sure that happens all over the world too 
as well. Yeah. The thing that I noticed here in Canada, because we do have a big Italian community, what I noticed from other people is that people that who have kids, they actually don't speak to them in Italian. They actually speak to them the dialect, mm-hmm. the Italian dialect. That's what they're trying to teach their kids. Because um, I remember, like, even the person I work with, he married an Italian, and he told me that his father-in-law only speaks to him the dialect. Mm-hmm. And he's a French from from Canada. He's like, I know how to speak Italian, but then he starts talking to me in the dialect, and I am like, I feel like I have to learn this because that's only what they speak. And they moved here ages ago. You know, it's like in the nineteen fifties or something like that. And he's like, yeah, he only speaks to me in dialect. And I remember that he comes to me and he's like, oh, this is a dialect word. And I'm like, really? I I also myself do not know the dialect word. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I only know the Italian, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's really interesting. I remember as a kid growing up in Kentucky where we, you know, we spoke English and only English and there were, we heard British English on TV or things like that. And we had so many accents across the United States, but I still didn't understand the concept of dialect until I moved to Italy. And whenever I would hear people speaking, they would literally say, I'm speaking in dialect. And it it literally is its own language. That's it. It, it at least in these contexts, um, maybe we could say, you know, the difference between British English and American English, but they're definitely mutually intelligible. Whereas a, a Veneto dialect is, it's not even the same words <laughs> in a lot of cases. And it's really, it really opened my eyes to, um, to I mean, yeah. that's a whole other conversation about what's a language and what's a dialect and what's a Creole and what's, you know, even an accent. It's all really, really fascinating. And to be able to experience it, it's a pretty eye-opening experience as well, culturally. Yes. Yes. So definitely. we've got to come to the end. Unfortunately, we're time bound today, but I could definitely talk to you much longer. But you also are an author and a YouTuber yeah. and a blogger. So yeah. tell us more about those things where people can find you, especially find your work and learn more about you and how you connect identity and language and use those things to try to empower other people. Yes, so I have a blog and it's called myways.ca and in this blog I talk about many things. I talk about finance, career, things that I do in my personal life, public speaking, volunteering and I also talk about languages and in terms of languages I try to share like tips and strategies on like how to learn a specific language and I talk about like how can you learn Italian in six ways, how can you learn Spanish, how can you practice uh, French and then I also have a YouTube channel, which is called Ormiho Sign, which is mainly focused on like finance, but I do have interviews with people that are language coaches or people that are in language instructors or people that teach English, to teach French Psalms. I also have those interviews that are like going to come up in the next couple of months. And I, and because I'm so passionate about languages, I do like to invite people that are teaching languages so that, you know, more people can watch this and they can also learn mm. and decide to learn a new language. And I also have, I did publish a book. It's called uh, Discovering Your Identity, Rebirth from Intuition or Struggle. So I do speak a little bit about my experience being a tour culture kid in Italy and what it felt like to grow up there. I also have my LinkedIn account. Usually most of the people connect with me there. So uh, it's basically my name would be Hansine. And usually I have people like asking me things through LinkedIn. So that too is like something that I have available for people. And I would say that's pretty much pretty much what I have. I do get invited to different podcasts to talk about language learning. I think people just find it really interesting. 
So yeah, if you just Google me, I'm pretty sure you will find those interviews somewhere. Yes, I can link some of them in the show notes as well. You sent me some before this one to check out. And I've listened to several of them in Italian too, which is always exciting for learners of the language that you're speaking as well. So you you wrote a book about your story and, and your identity. I, I haven't read it yet, I'll be honest, but I intend to because it sounds incredibly interesting. I'm always always interested in other people's stories to share. Um, but you said that you started to come to terms with this identity of being both Bengali and Italian a few years ago. Was that process, I, I assume, the the impetus for the book and sharing your book and then sharing things like this on YouTube and on your blog? How does that all tie together as far as like just discovering yourself in a liberating way and also utilizing that to inspire and empower other people and other women to do the same? Yeah, so when I first decided to write the book, I wasn't really comfortable with this idea that I was going to share a big chunk of my life to people. But then I felt like I needed to. I needed to to share my story to the world. And I needed to because it was me coming to an acceptance of who I am as a person. Because it was me becoming more whole and complete as a person. So I had to, so I was like, I have to share this to the world. And I remember being really worried about this because I was like, you know what? Probably people would judge me, especially from like relatives and friends and family that might have something to say because there are things that I talk about, there are reflections. And I do point out some of the things about the cultures, both cultures that I was not okay with. But then I felt like I needed to because as I was being part of a community on Instagram, I could see that other people were struggling with the same thing. There were people that, you know they were trying to find a space create a, a box within these two cultures and I was like I do want to share this to the world and I want people to know that you're not alone in this there are people like you that share similar stories there are people that you know have multiple cultures in them that have that know many languages and at the end of the day it's just really being open to accepting yourself and embracing who you are and that's what I wanted to like spread to other people it's just me coming to the terms that, okay, this is who I am. You have to be okay with it. And I also started to see, like, even, like, a couple of days ago, I was watching this uh, TED Talk about this uh, this guy who's, like, half British and half Indian. And the thing is, he doesn't look Indian at all. But then you see him speaking Punjabi out of nowhere, and you're like, what's going on there? And I, and I looked at him, and he actually talks about the same struggles that I went through. And he would be questioned by people and being like, uh, but how is it that you speak better Punjabi than all of us? And he had to say, you know, I'm like, I'm neither neither nor, I'm both. And so I started to see that there are other people like me sharing the same message and just telling the world that we're there. This is who you are and just accept who, who we are. Um, and so for me, it was more because I wanted to inspire other people to tell my story and to also empower other people and make them spread the message that you're not alone in this we are we're everywhere we're spread everywhere and I think at the end it makes us global citizen you know yes I, I say I'm, I'm this and that but I am global because we we somehow have every culture is embedded with us not just our native culture or the culture that we grew up in but we have a little bit of everything because we are exposed to so many things we travel 
to so many places so we take a little bit of everything from every culture that we, or every place that we visit so I think at the end we're like global citizen I love that so much I know that your story and in even just what you've shared today but all of it together I know that there are listeners out there of this show who are definitely going to resonate with that and um and for those who it doesn't resonate with personally maybe it helps open our eyes to the fact that other people have such different experiences and maybe struggle to put words to that and as we're all kind of coming into our own identity there's so much power behind knowing who you are accepting who you are loving it and sharing that with other people and and knowing that that you accept them as they are as well um, because of all the struggles we've been through I know for sure that this is going to resonate with many 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 of my listeners definitely so thank you for sharing everything you shared today absolutely thank you for sharing uh, your work as well and your story with with the world and for everyone to discover and find out something about themselves through your journey as well is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself or where listeners can find you and connect with you um, I'll also put all the links in the show notes for anyone but for anyone listening who just wants to go check you out right now where can people find you yes yeah, so um I do have my YouTube channel it's called Ulmi Hossain I have my blog it's called myways.ca yes I have my LinkedIn profile it's called Ulmi Hossain and of course, my book is available on Amazon and it's called Discovering Your Identity, Rebirth from Interational Struggle. And if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I also have an Instagram account. It's called Urma Mia. All right. I will definitely make sure all of those go in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time and your inspiration and thoughts, all of it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. 